Thank you. And like I always say, every time I get up to speak, you know that I like to have a nice little chat with you. You know I like to have a nice little rapport with you. So please respond. Yeah? Because it's... Oh, that's it. Yeah. You're learning. Right. So please respond. Because I love to know that you're getting what we're talking about and that it's dropping into your hearts. Amen? Okay. So... Um, this, the message that we're looking at, we're actually going to look at um, Hebrews chapter 11. Um, and you know when God drops something on your heart and you ponder it and you wonder, is this really it? I was in that place. I was like, Lord, are you sure you don't have something else to talk to me about? Because Hebrews chapter 11 has been done so many times. And I'm like, what could I add to that? But I kept coming back to the same thing, to the same thing. And I got to the point where I was so excited. <laughs> so I'm really praying that today you get excited too, yeah? So um, I was thinking about it, because obviously Hebrews chapter 11, we're going to look at faith. Um, and I was thinking about it earlier. And I realized that faith plays a really important role in our everyday lives. You might not think it, but it does. So the simple things that we do on a daily basis... Um, and, you know, sometimes we generally we take them for granted. So um, something like getting into your car. How many of you drove here this morning? How many of you took a cab? How many of you would have taken a bus? Um, nobody came here by plane, but how many of us have actually been on a plane? How many of us have actually been on a train? Every time you set foot in some sort of transportation, you have to have a measure of faith because you are having faith that the manufacturer of that vehicle has done what it says on the tin. Tin, no pun intended. <laughs> but you're having faith that that vehicle is going to get you from point A to point B safely and on time. Not Caribbean or African time, but, you know, on time, you know? I mean, come on. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Every time you take your card out of your pocket, out of your wallet, out of your purse, and you're paying for something, whether it's a debit card or a credit card, you're having faith that the bank is going to honor that transaction. Yeah? Yeah. The thing is, the word credit is actually derived from the Latin verb meaning to believe. Yeah, I was like that. I was like, yeah, but that's it. Because when you think of credit, you're actually believing that that person is going to pay, aren't you? Yeah. So the word is actually derived from the Latin verb meaning to believe. So without faith, most of us would be stuck at home because we wouldn't get out into a trans some sort of transportation. And most of us would spend no money. <laughs> that might... <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Rumi is probably thinking, oh, not such a bad thing after all, right? <laughs> yeah. Forget that part. If you're recording, scrap that part out. Don't let anybody else hear it. <laughs> but that's it. 
every time we do things, we have a measure of faith. Every time you turn your, um, your cooker on, whether it's gas or electricity, you're having faith that that's going to heat whatever is on the stove, right? Every time you turn your radiator on, you are praying and having faith that heat's going to come out, especially round about now. Have some faith with me because one side of my house doesn't work. <laughs> All the radiators on one side of the house. Every time we turn the heating on, it seems one side of the house works and the other side just, yeah. So have faith with me now. <laughs> but for anyone who's been in church for a really long time, and it's not necessarily a really long time because, like I said, we really all the time hear about Hebrews chapter 11. But if you've been in church for any length of time, you would have heard the scripture. It's referred to as the great faith chapter because it not only gives us a definition of faith, but also the writer gives us examples of faith in action in other people's lives. So let's look at Hebrews 11 chapter, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1. Um, I'm reading from the New King James Version. Yeah. Thank you. I love the New King James Version. I was saying to um, Charlie this morning, Charles this morning, that it has this nice um, poetic cadence to it. You read it and you think, oh, it's just so poetic. Maybe that's just me, but that's how I feel. But it says, now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith, we understand that the worlds were formed and they were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. Most of the times we stop at verse 1. And we like quoting verse 1. Now, faith is the evidence of things hoped for. The substance of things hoped for, sorry, the evidence of things not seen. And growing up, we, when I was slightly younger, we didn't have like the passion translation and we didn't have like the, you know, some of those new translation, like the message. The message came a long time after, you know. So we didn't have, we probably had the NIV, but when you're reading this and he says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, you're thinking, Huh? Because when you read this as is, it seems quite illogical. Because faith, what is faith? I could see my glasses. I can see my Bible. I could feel them. I could touch them. But I can't see faith and I can't touch faith. Yeah? So... <clears throat> I thought that I was going to look in the dictionary about, and just to find out what does the dictionary says faith is. And in the dictionary, as a standalone word, faith means complete trust or confidence in someone or something. That makes it a little better, doesn't it? Okay. But then I thought, what's trust? Because these are words that we bandy about all the time, don't we? Oh, faith. Yes, Lord, I trust you. I have faith in you. But sometimes these words, 
we were here and we were saying, Lord, I have faith in you and I have trust in you. But faith and trust are somewhere over there because we have no clue exactly what we're talking about. It is just it is in the Bible and we have heard other people say it and it sounds good. And we believe what is said in the Bible. So we're like, yeah, I have faith. But what does faith mean to you? So I thought, let's look at see what trust is. Trust is the firm belief in the reliability, truth, or ability of someone or something. So when we put these two together, faith doesn't just become a word. So what I'm going to do now, I'm going to insert this definition that we found, right? The complete, complete and firm belief. I'm going to insert that into this verse, right? So now, we're not just saying faith, which can sometimes seem as a word somewhere over there. But we are saying the complete and firm belief in the reliability, truth, or, abil or ability, or confidence that I have in God. I'm going to read that again. So now, faith, which is the complete and firm belief in the reliability, truth, or ability, or confidence that I have in God, that is the substance of what I hope for. Do you see that? It is no longer faith, which is something that I seem to not be able to understand. It is the complete and firm reliability, truth or ability or confidence that I have in God. That is the substance of what I hope for. And it is also the proof or certainty of those things that have not yet become reality. You get that? That is what gives weight to my hope. That faith, the complete and firm reliability. Because guess what? God is reliable. He is the only reliable. I'm not going to say he's the most reliable. Because that kind of makes us, when you think about that in the natural, it kind of makes us think, well, there are some days he might not be reliable, but he's the most reliable of all the people that I know. But when you think he is the only reliable, it sets him apart. This is what gives weight to the hope that we have. It's what gives weight to the physical, tangible thing that I hope for. It's what gives form to the things that have not yet become reality. So I wanted for us to establish that first. Because when we look at um, Hebrews 11, faith comes up so many times. There are like 39 verses in Hebrews 11 and in all those 39 verses. All you keep hearing is faith, 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 faith. So... I'm just going to lay a foundation for you on this. And I really pray that as you read your Bible, I mean, if you want to uh, come to me after and I'll give you that definition. Because since I got that, every time I'm 
like since last week, I've been reading this. Every time I read it, I am actually inserting this definition into there because that means it's real to me now. So now we've established that. Verse 2 says, for but, oh, sorry, we're not going to do the 39 verses, okay? So don't get scared. So it says, for by it, the elders obtained a good testimony. By what? For by it, we're referring to faith. So it is by their complete and firm belief in the reliability, truth, or ability or confidence that they had in God, they obtained a good testimony. It is because they took God at, their, at his word why we're actually reading about them today. Without faith, we would never know about them, would we? Because they would not have made it here. You see, when we look at our lives, or when we look at their lives, they weren't necessarily the greatest, and they were not necessarily the best. When you look at, like, read further into this chapter, and you see some of the people, you think, huh? How did they make it? Because they had faith. They had faith. Faith is fundamental to our relationship with God. Verse 3, it says, By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. So this tells me that we must have faith to believe that God created the world. We must have faith to believe, because none of us were here at the creation. None of us saw the world came into being, and none of us heard God speaking and saying, let there be light, and there was light. None of us heard that. But I want us to look at Genesis chapter 1. Because it is faith that makes us believe the word of God when it tells us in the beginning was the word in the beginning, God. Remember in John, it tells us that in the beginning he created and it says that at the beginning God was there and the word was God and the word, do you remember that? Right. So, in the beginning, because it was his word that spoke at the beginning, wasn't it? Right. So, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. We're not talking about a sci-fi movie. We are talking about God creating the universe. There has to be a measure of faith for you to believe that, because we weren't there. It is faith that, I seem to be dropping everything this morning. Yeah. <laughs> it's faith that allows us to believe that what we see, that the creation that we see, that wasn't there in the beginning, is faith that allows us to be able to believe 
that he was able to call the universe into being just by the words that he spoke. It's faith that, faith that allows us to trust that those same words that he spoke are part of the divine eternal plan that he has. Because he didn't just create the world for nothing. Because then he went on and he created all of creation that we can see. And then he said, let's make man. So we came into that part of his plan. You know, when we think of his divine plans, sometimes, I'm just gonna interject this here, sometimes things happen and we think, where is the plan in this? Really? Where is the plan? But sometimes we have to think of them not as, in, not as interruptions, but as divine interruptions. Because in Romans 8.28, it tells us that all things work together for our good. And it takes faith to believe that. Because sometimes when you're going through things and you're seeing what's happening, like look at Job. Oh, where was the divine, where was, where was the divine plan? But Job kept his faith. Right? Right. So, I want us to look at Psalm 33 and verse 11. And this says, in the NIV actually, it says, The plans of the Lord stands firm forever, the purposes of his heart through all generations. And I looked at it in the Passion Translation because I wanted to have a look. And this, oh, I love this. It says, his destiny plan for all the earth stands sure. His forever plan remains in place and will never fail. For us as believers, faith is the certainty that what we hope for will become a reality because what we hope for and this is the beauty of this what we hope for is not just for today because we have a hope for eternity so we're going to go on a bit further verse four by faith so by the complete and firm belief in the reality in the reliability truth or ability or confidence in God, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it, he being dead still speaks. Isn't it amazing that faith allows us to have a voice even after that's what it says here in verse 4. Through that faith that Abel had, we're still talking about him. How many people have you had in your lives? They've gone on, they've passed away. But so many people are still talking about the faith that they had in God. Faith allows us to have a voice. It allows us to speak even after. Because people still remember, that, remember the faith that you had in God. Verse 5 says, by faith, again, 
Enoch was translated so that he did not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had his testimony that he pleased God. By faith, sorry, verse 6, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Verse 4, we see by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. By faith. It is faith that causes us to believe what is written in his word. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is according to faith. And then we move on to verse 8, and it talks about Abraham. But I would just want to quickly say, where it says here, without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God, do you see how we have to have a measure of faith? We have to have faith to believe that God is who he says he is. Because in Ephesians 8, um, 2, 8, it tells us that we've been saved by grace through faith. Grace and faith, it worked hand in hand for us to be saved. It's faith that causes us to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, to believe that he is who he says he is, that he died, that he was buried, that he rose again in order that we might have everlasting life, that we can be with him in eternity. Abraham, we always talk about Abraham. He's the godfather of faith, isn't he? <laughs> and we always talk about him. And it tells us here, by faith, he obeyed when he was called out to the place which he would afterward receive as an inheritance. You see, faith allows us to step out and into the calling that God has on our lives. Abraham could have stayed where he was. He could have been, uh, no, I'm comfortable where I am. I've got all of this. My family has got all of this. My dad's got all of this. This, this is going to be mine. He was stepping out into something that he had no clue what was on the other side But he heard the voice of God saying to him, come. And he went. He stepped in. Do you know that step, that very first step that Abram took propelled him into becoming the father of nations. He became the father of Israel. What would he have missed out on? Well, some might say he could have missed out on a lot because he would have been living 
high and dry and being like, yeah, you know, my dad's got this, my dad's got that. But he realized that his earthly father had nothing on his heavenly father. See, God called Abram out of where he was into his inheritance. And I'm sure he looked forward to that because, you know, I mean, I... You know, sometimes you think, you, you hear people saying this term and, and, and you're like, you could take that to the bank. That's what Abram did. He took the word of God to the bank. He was not disappointed. So, from verse 8 all the way around to probably verse 12, it talks about Abram and Sarah. Now, your promise might not look like Abraham's promise. Yeah? God might not be calling you out from here to go to a foreign land where you have no clue what's going on. So your promise might not look like Abraham's promise. But I believe that we can all be like Sarah. Now, Sarah gets a really bad rap because... All people tend to remember about Sarah is the fact that Sarah laughed when she was told she was going to have a son. She knew that she was way past childbearing age. She was like, ha, ha, ha. Yeah, right. <laughs> you must be like out of your mind. Who, me? And we tend to do that a lot. We like to, who, me? Nah, <laughs> you must be crazy. And that seems to be all that people remembered about Sarah. But she made it into this great chapter of faith. Do you want to know why? Verse 11. It says, by faith, so, by the complete and firm reliability, truth or ability or confidence that Sarah had in God, she herself also received strength to conceive seed and she bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him faithful who had promised. She might have laughed, but that seed, it stuck. It stuck. She grabbed hold of that seed. She might have been like, ha, ha. And maybe, just maybe that laugh turned into an expectant laugh. Because you know sometimes some people tell you things and you're like, huh, well, yeah. But then you have a little think. And they're like, huh, yeah, that might actually work. <laughs> that, yeah. That's probably what it turned into because it says that she judged him faithful. Because he had promised it. Isaac means laughter. Every time she called her child, Isaac, oh, laughter. Guess what? She remembered that promise God made to her. Oh, laughter. Every time she says laughter, I'm sure something bubbled up inside of her. And she laughed with joy. Knowing that the one who promised her is faithful. 
Therefore, verse 12, from one man and him as good as dead were born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. There you have it. What was said to Abraham back in Genesis 12 and 15 has come. He's now seeing the fruit of it, isn't he? Because he's got his seed. He's got his seed and the Lord promised that you are going to be the father of the nation. God promised him that. Guess what? Look up in the sky. You see those stars? Try counting them. Because if you could count them, that's how much your descendants are going to number. But if you can't count the stars, sometimes you wonder, seriously, God, do you just say things just to kind of wow me? If you can't count the stars, try counting the sand. Okay. Well, if you didn't want to make it hard, just did. Yeah. If you don't want to count the stars, count the sand. That's how much your generation will number. But guess what? Abram couldn't do it alone. This is where I go back to Sarah. This happened because Sarah judged him faithful who had promised. You don't hear it. That's only one verse. Abram has about like six verses. Sarah has one. And this is why I'm stressing. Your calling might not look like Abram's. Your promise might not be the same that Abram was promised. But you could be like a Sarah. When you get that promise, you judge him faithful. Because he's promised it. Because guess what? God cannot go back on his word. Once he says it. He's got to do it. Once it comes out of his mouth, it's not like me. Sometimes I'll say to Romeo, oh, I'll have dinner on the table by the time you get home. <laughs> and he gets home and it's probably not done. Oh, I said to Indy, oh, you can have this. And, and then you really think about it and you're like, nah, you ain't getting that. <laughs> it's not like us. We go back on our words so much. God's not like us. It is unlike his character to be anything but truthful. It is unlike his character to be anything but faithful. It is unlike his character to promise something that he is not going to fulfill it. It is in his nature to be truthful. It is in his nature to be just, to be love. It is in his nature. His word tells us that his word does not return to him void. So once he says it over your life, he will do it. These all died in faith. I really want us to get this because this is how important faith is in our journey with God. So it says, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, 
but having seen them afar off, they were assured of them. They were not seeing in the natural. They were seeing, knowing that God will deliver on his promise. They were seeing through faith. They weren't seeing with the natural eyes. They were seeing through faith. Embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And truly, if they have called to mind that country from which they had come, they would have had opportunity to return. But... There's always a but. Now they desire a better, that is, a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to, call, to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. You see what this is? It says, therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. Like I said earlier, they weren't the best. They weren't necessarily maybe the most intelligent. Don't know how you judge that, though. Um, they weren't necessarily, you know, greatest athletes and all of that, greatest of all times, none of that. But guess what? Guess what? Their names are here. When you look at this, further down in this chapter, Rahab's name is there. Okay. When you look further down in the chapter, you see people and you think, how did they make it? That's what we would say, looking at things naturally. But the Bible tells me by faith, by faith they made it there. By faith they made it there. When I am gone and my kid's going to be like, by faith, mom did it. Are you, Barbara, is your son, are they going to be like, oh, by faith, my mama did it. Valerie, by faith. Is that... Oh, hello. He's so big now. <laughs> I'm sorry. When you realize you haven't seen kids for like a year and a half and you see them again and you think, what? What did they feed you? <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> but that's it, Jeff. We're going to be like, by faith, Jeff did it. By faith, you did that, Pat. You did it. By faith. What's your legacy going to be? Is it going to be that? Your pastor Jeff always says, oh, I want this to go on my tombstone, blah, blah, blah. Uh, <laughs> what are you going to have on your, are you going to be, are they going to be like, by faith, she lived her life for the Lord. That's what I want to be on my tombstone. So every time somebody passes and they have a look and they'd be like, oh, faith, what's that? So even after death, still speaking. Even after death, your life is still speaking. That's your legacy. See, these stories, when you look at them, these stories, they, they help us to hold on to the promises of God over our lives. 
Because when you read them again and again and again and again, guess what? It reminds us that God is faithful, that he's powerful, that he's loving. It reminds us of the character of God. And you think, what if he can do it for them? Then surely he could do it for me. Surely, surely he could do it for me. Because they would have been under an old covenant. But I am under the covenant that Jesus made with his father. I'm under that covenant that Jesus made with his father. You know, Romeo could make a promise to Jono. And it could be like, yeah, Romeo said this. And, you know, Jono and Romeo, they probably wouldn't have a good relationship. And Jono would be like, yeah, Romeo said it. So, yeah. But Romeo might still be like, I can't do it today. Check me tomorrow. But more than likely, he would never do that to Kerwin. Because guess what? Kerwin is his son. Maybe I should say Indy. Because he's my favorite parent. <laughs> yeah. He would never break it with his kids. His kids could hold him to his word. Because that's what happens with Jesus and the covenant that he made with his father. He cannot, cannot break that. So when God promises something on your life, listen to me. Jesus is there like, well, you said it, daddy. Have, like those of us who are parents, how many times have your kids done that? You're like, oh, um, yeah, we'll do this. And then you're like, no. And then, but you, Indy does this. She's like, but you said... <laughs> And it's the way she says it. You said. You think, oh man. Once they come with you said, don't you do it? They're holding you to your word. So if your kids could hold you, they're holding you ransom, you know. <laughs> if your kids could hold you to your word, how much more can we hold God to his word? Because he's God and he can't lie. He cannot lie. So even on the days when things are going wrong and you're thinking, what is going on? And some of us might think, God, what happened? All things work together for our good. All things work together for our good. You might not see him working, but he's working. You know, there's an old song that says, hey, he may not come when you call, but he's always on time. He is always on time. He's never early and he can never be late because he is always on time. That's the faith that we need to have that would say, God, you said it, and I believe it. And I don't believe it just because, I believe it because you said it. And sometimes we would be like, God, you said it. I believe it, you know, but there's a little part of me that ain't sure. Do you remember, was it the centurion who says, 
help my own belief. There's one of them. Who is it? The yes, somewhere in the New Testament. <laughs> I can't. But he, the guy, came to Jesus and he was like, "Lord, I believe." But you know the little part of me that still has a little bit of doubt. Help that part. He says, "Help my unbelief." But I pray that all of us will come to the place where, and what I really want, like I said, we're not going through all of these because there are 39 verses. We've looked at about 15. And then in verse 32, he says, what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell you of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and also David and Samuel and the prophets. Do you see how many people have gone before us? In verse 12, it goes on to say, now we've got a whole host, a whole host of people who've gone before us that we now know about. We've got them. We're surrounded by them. They're watching on, they're cheering for us. We'll never be able to tell you all the people But we need to have the faith to know that when God says it, he will do it. So by faith, what is faith? The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the complete and firm belief in the reliability, truth, or ability or confidence that I have in God. That is the substance of what I hope for and also the proof or certainty of those things which have not yet become a reality. I want you, every time you read about faith in the scriptures, insert that. It becomes a bit more real then. It becomes real. All right, did you get much from that? Good. I hope that's laid a nice little foundation for Pastor Jeff to continue on next week. I was like, oh, I hope Pastor Jeff has no intention of speaking on faith soon because I'm speaking on faith today. And then I came in this morning, I was like, uh, when are you speaking next on faith? And he's like, next week. I was like, okay. <laughs> so this was not planned at all, okay? But shows that God's got, God's got his hand in it. Right. So thank you so much for listening. I was excited about this while I was doing it because I thought, wow, just filling in and just inserting this one thing just changes how I viewed this verse. And I pray that it's the same for you, that you would insert that and that that would have dropped in your hearts this morning. Um, I think I know most faces here. But um, if there's anyone here for the first time um, and anything that I've said this morning made you stop and think and made you think, I, wanna, I want some of whatever this is. I have no clue what it is. I want to have, I want to know what, about this faith. I want to know more about this. Then we're just going to pray um, quickly. It's, we like to call it the prayer of introduction. We're just basically introducing our, 
Heavenly Father to you. We're introducing our God to you, the one that we have faith in. We just want to introduce him to you. So all of us, if we can just um, say this together, pray this together, um, just help anyone who's here for the first time who may not know God and just help them. So if you repeat after me, Father, thank you. Thank you that you love me and that you died for me. Thank you that you made a way for me to come into your family. I come to you now, and I bring my life before you. I ask that you take it as a sacrifice for you. Live through me for your honor and your glory. Amen. If anyone's prayed that for the first time, um, and you would like to give your life to the Lord, and you really meant that when you prayed it, if you just lift your hands and we can see that and just kind of point you in the right direction. Thank you so much. I see that hand. Thank you, Lord. We thank you. Anyone else? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. The Bible tells us that there's great rejoicing in heaven when one soul comes to him. And so, Lord, we thank you for that. Father, we thank you for your word and your promises that are yes and amen. We thank you that you are who you are, that there is no shadow of turning with you. As the song says, you never change. Your compassion never fails. Great is your faithfulness, Lord, unto me. And so, Lord, as you are faithful, we pray that our hearts will grow ever more faithful to you, that we will take you at your word and witness your hand at work in our lives. Amen. Amen.